This is Faster, a podcast by Flow Cycling. In each episode, we interview industry experts to educate you, challenge you, and even change the way you train so you become faster. This marks episode 50 of the Faster Podcast. And over the many episodes we've had, we've discussed things like FTP, fat max, lactate threshold, and much more. As an athlete, it can be difficult to understand each, measure each, and then create a training program that focuses on improving them. Today on Faster, Sebastian Weber, the founder of Inside, joins us to discuss their amazing software. Inside measures seven key characteristics and links them together to allow a certified coach to predict the impact on your performance by tweaking each one. This is a must-hear episode for those wanting to learn more about getting faster by incorporating a complete view of your fitness. When we're not creating this podcast, we're working on other ways to make you faster. At Flow, we design and manufacture some of the world's fastest cycling wheels that we sell consumer direct to keep more money in your pockets. As a special thank you for listening to Faster, we wanted to offer you 20% off your next purchase. Simply use coupon code PODCAST in all capital letters at checkout. Your purchase will also support our Give Back initiatives. 1% of all sales supports our Bike for a Kid program, where we provide bikes and helmets for kids in need. We also plant one tree for every wheel we ship as a thank you to our planet. Enjoy the show. Hey, Sebastian. Welcome to Faster. Hey. hey thanks for having me, John. Hey, we're actually uh, very excited to have you here. I originally heard about you from a guy named uh, Steve Neal who recommended I check you out and I looked at your site and I was highly impressed with what you guys are doing. So I figured we'd try and get you on the show and, and, and here you are. Yeah, thank you. Sounds good. Yeah, I know Steve from uh, several meetings, uh, these online meetings, so to speak. Yeah, yes. Good, good guy. Yeah, for sure. So so what is your background? Give us a little history on yourself and and, and what your background's like. Yeah, so I studied uh, originally uh, by training, so to speak. I studied uh, sports science and molecular human biology and my main work experience so I, is, from, is in performance diagnostics or performance assessment um, originally in like, yeah, cycling and triathlon and started with running. I have a, myself, I have a track and field background and triathlon and road cycling and track cycling background. And then I was, um, I was basically, um, you know, coaching um, cyclists on like world tour or back in the days, pro tour levels. Um, as the individual coach for some years and then I was uh, I became head coach of T-Mobile or HTC High Road Columbia if some listeners still remember about 10 years ago um, and then went on to 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 work with teams like Lotto and uh, Katusha and Cannondale and I stopped actually I stopped working within a team as you know head of performance or head coach or whatever role i stopped uh, about uh, four or five years ago and um, started this project what you heard about inside um, where we also now work with with all different sports so we also work with um, swimming uh, canoeing um, skiing formula one track and field um, speed skating whatsoever right so how did you get to start inside? What was the what was your sort of your insight to to move in that direction? So, you know, I was you know, as I so so what brought me into the into the world of professional cycling originally uh, already has been uh, different ways and better ways so to speak to assess performance um in a more like you want to maybe call it 360 degree angle. So have a better understanding of the performance and I developed in the early 2000s I developed the first test, for example, to measure glycolytic power, ACA, VLA max on a bike ergometer and um, some some method utilizing that. You could call that maybe this was the first baby steps of what is now inside, so to speak. And that brought me into actually what, what raised the interest in these days um, of professional cyclists and professional cycling te- teams. So this was brought me into the sport. And then, um, you know, after 10 years um, in that world, I was a little bit ready for a change. And there was, you know, there was additional knowledge out there in the scientific world. And there's more, and there was significant more knowledge and computing power out there. So it was the idea, okay, you know, let's take this to the next level and make sure it doesn't stay in cycling. Um, and some of the methods, for example, have, have, have been under, under non-disclosure, for example, what we did for what you might want to label as, you know, metabolic-based pacing strategies 
in time trials, what's something that we did in high road and I did this Tony Martin and those guys. Um, so I coached Tony um, um, for like 10 years. So we did some stuff there and I thought, okay, that, you know, would be nice to be applied to, to, to other sports as well. And, and it would best live uh, within a computer software. And this is how insight started, so to speak. That's well, that's really cool. And I think, you know, one thing I want to cover today is just kind of all the, the different pieces of insight and what it is. And I think in North America that the most common way for a cyclist specifically to train is, is through functional threshold power. Um, you know, and we've, we've had a number of other people on the show that have talked about, you know, maximal power. We've looked at fat max, we've looked at, uh, lactic zones and polarized training. But what I've noticed about inside doing some research is that it seems very thorough. You have some very uh, impressive, um, results that are coming out. And so I, I just wanted to, uh, so get into that. So for the, somebody who's probably, if you think about somebody who has more of a, an FTP mindset, um, I'm going to ask some basic questions to start off with. So what, what exactly is inside? What, what is it doing and, and, and what is it, how is it beneficial for somebody that's an athlete? Um, so yeah, as I said, it's a computer software and what it allows you to do, it allows you to understand the underlying mechanism that define, compose, create, so to speak, your performance as an athlete. So you could, you could view that as your power output for a certain time duration, three minute, four minute, whatever you see in your, you know, uh, power duration curve or, or your FTP as well. Right. Uh, there's a, that, you know, there, there is a reason there are physiological mechanisms behind that cause or create a certain power output. Right. I mean, quite obviously, quite frankly, it, it should be clear that there must be a physiological difference between somebody with a threshold of 450 watts versus 250 watts at the same body weight. Yes. Right. And what insight basically is it discloses that it shows you, you know, how your, you know, how your, your, your performance is composed and therefore it allows you to identify, so to speak, which, you know, simplified speaking, which knob you potentially could turn by training in terms of adaptation by training in order to increase the, the power output for whatever your aim is, right? Long, whatever, several hours, uh, 10 seconds sprint, uh, whatever. I love that. So, and another thing that I, I want to ask is what isn't inside? I, I, what I'm gathering from my research is that it's it's not something that's going to spit you out a training program, but it's going to give you a number of metrics about yourself that help you decide how to train better using a, a, a qualified coach. Yeah. So it's not, it is, yes, it's, it's not the training platform, right? So it's not like you, it, it doesn't take training programs. You cannot put training programs on there. It's not a training lock or something like that right and it's also not something to analyze your training files so if you think you can just put in all your well, you can put in all your fit files from the training but it's not meant to analyze this function so maybe on a, the most simplif simplified you know way would be okay your training program and maybe some communication with your coach if you have a coach lives in something like training peaks or today's plan or something like this, right? This is where you maybe, what you maybe use on whatever a daily basis, so to speak, to on a detailed level, day by day, understand what kind of, what you know, what training program you have. And then something like, you know, WKO or Golden Cheater or whatever program you, you, may, you might have some program or the, the functions built in training peaks or whatever to look at your training files, right? You sit down maybe and look at, okay, what did I do in the training today? And this is maybe you do every every other day or a couple of times per week. And insight, so to speak, is what lets you decide which training direction you want to go. So insight is the, is basically maybe the tool that you pull out when you when you, for example, as a coach, prescribe a new training program. So when you you know when, when you want to understand, okay, in which direction should I train my athlete, like. You know, what are we aiming for? What are, as I try to indicate, what are the limiting factors? Which knob we can turn? And how do I how do I set up an interval training program, for example? With inside, you can set up very specific, very individual um, rest and work ratios based on the metabolic profile of your athlete. So you will go in there 
and you create a training program on like a higher level, like, okay, which direction are we aiming for? And maybe also on a detailed level, what is the exact work to rest ratio? And for example, what is the power output in between the intervals during the recovery? That is something Insight tells you. And then you put this into your whatever training peaks program and you scale it for the next, right? You, you basically roll it out for the next four or six weeks of training. Yeah, I love that. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, so if you are an athlete and you are going to use this, how do you actually perform an inside test? How do I get the information out of inside? So currently, to, to make this clear, currently you can only benefit from it through a coach or some kind of testing center, human performance lab that has an account. So currently there is no direct facing um, you know, front end for the athlete himself or herself. Yep. Right. And then how you do this, that's, that's something for most people, um, on the first glance, you know, very difficult to understand because there is not this one common way. If you look at, even if you look, look at different world tour cycling teams who work, who use inside the method, how they test. So the protocol, so to speak, can differ. Right. So, yes, it is not fixed to any protocol. For example, the most we talked a little bit about other sports, skiing, canoeing, whatsoever, swimming. Obviously, there's not a power meter in swimming. Right. So it's all based on lactate testing, VO2 testing. Um, there are sports where testing is done partly in the lab. So a majority of our user base are actually human performance labs in Olympic training centers or universities or whatsoever. So they are protocol and which data they put into insight can be obviously vastly different for example to a cycling coach who maybe does remote testing so there is there is an entirely remote testing option but there's also options to you know combine power files with lactate measurements with body composition measurements with vo2 measurements so it's pretty versatile and more or less simplified long story short you can almost throw any kind of data set into it and add it to the mix. I saw a guy on uh, YouTube, I think his name's Triathlon Terrence or something like that, a guy right. out of Canada. Uh, and I think he was talking about a prescribed thing that he had done for an hour on a trainer. And then he sent his fit file. Right. So yeah, you're so, saying that that is an option, but there are multiple options yes, because exactly. it's so versatile. Yeah, okay. exactly. Exactly. So what you are talking about is what has gained a lot of popularity, especially during the the last months with the, you know, with the Corona situation, with the COVID situation, is that there is a way to do it entirely remotely. Um, and then by then the protocol is a little bit more strict. Um, so it contains a sprint, um, which is approximately 20 seconds. You can do 18, you can be to 22, doesn't really matter. It's one maximum effort in the ballpark in the range of like three minutes. And then it's some additional then it's some additional um, longer efforts. Standard would be like six minutes or ten or twelve minutes. We had so, for example, we had we had somebody at Swift doing a program like a Swift protocol, and they did uh, six and ten minutes, right? But you could also do, you could also do twenty minutes and seven minutes or whatsoever. It doesn't really matter, right? Uh, you could even let me add this. You could even only do the twenty seconds and the three minutes, and just manually type in your whatever FTP from Golden Cheater or something. Okay. Right? So okay. That makes a lot of flexibility. Sense. Yeah. So one of the things you, you talk about on your website a lot is that you claim that insight is more accurate than lab testing. Can you explain how that is the case? Uh, I'm not sure if he exactly makes this claim, to be honest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, there are some some things in in accuracy and inside. Um, this this claim from being more accurate than the lab test, I think, comes from this this triathlon Terran guy. That's 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 not our case. Um, to just comment on this very quick, there are some, so to speak, security algorithms in inside. For example, what we just talked about, this remote testing. There is within your data set, there is an internal validation, so it will not be possible to to compute a data set which is not sound, so to speak, right? So the software will flag if, for example, uh, you have an FDP of 200 watts, which you entered, and you and, and, and you provide a data set from a lab which says your VO2 max is 90. The software would flag that and would not allow you to go further. And so just as a very, you know, very simple, stupid, simple example. So um, 
more accurate than lab tapes, but again, that's not our claim. We do have proof and we do have data and we have a blog post with an example. And for our users, we show them all this. So for our coaches and labs, we give them all the statistics and all the validation data. So what we can prove that is, for example, that that the accuracy of the power only testing, the remote protocol, what users talked about, which you can do by yourself on your kicker or whatsoever and just use the fit files is on the same level, it's able to reproduce the same numbers that you would get in a dedicated lab testing, right? And this is not only for something simple or common like a FTP value or a VO2max value that goes down to accurately predicting, for example, fuel, like substrate utilization, like fat and carbohydrates at different intensity, right? So uh, you you don't necessarily, so to speak, need to go to a lab and attach yourself to a metabolic card and write for one hour in the lab. You can, you know, using the FIT files and the algorithm gives you, within the same era of measurement of a lab test, gives you the same results. That's the point. Okay. That's, that's really cool. Um, I do want to talk about each one of the metrics that you guys collect. It looks like you have seven key metrics at Inside. And before we talk about that, one of the things you mentioned is that one of the cool things about Inside is that it connects all of them together. So you're sort of giving a full picture of the athlete as a whole. And what I was hoping you could address is what are the benefits of this over something like a traditional approach, like looking at just FTP or just lactate or just VO2 max? How does the whole uh, picture from inside really help determine or direct an athlete in the right direction. Um, so let's that's, that could be a long answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, I think, you know, there, there, there are several benefits from it, um, to maybe to try to give you an idea is, you know, this, without any offense against anybody, but when you come, you know, when, when an athlete goes to a coach and says, you know what, coach, my view to max is 65. And my threshold is 250 watts. Those two metrics maybe tell a little bit of a story to the coach, but there's no connection. There's no deeper understanding, you know, um, okay, but if you have this combination, then I already have a broad idea of what I'm looking at here and what do we need to improve. And this, for example, especially in the North American area, has led to a discussion that, for example, VO2max is not really useful or not important. Right, because because people don't really, so to speak, have a feeling or a good understanding on uh, for 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 what this number tells you. Right, it's kind of what I'm trying, basically what I'm trying to say. It's kind of disconnected. So, like you already said, it's all it's all not connected. You can have a FTP of X and a, a VO2 max of Y, and if this works together or makes sense or what story it tells you, there's no idea. So this is one thing that insight solves for you, basically, right? So everything is connected and you can understand, again, why you turn one knob or, you know, um, then how it will affect. For, for, for example, I'll give you one example. A very popular thing currently, high intense interval training, right? Hit, hit training. Okay, you go into the scientific literature and you will see that uh, hit training improves fat max. And the function, the mechanism is it because it improves VO2 max. And you will see the same connections, the same mechanisms you will find inside, right? So, and inside gives you this predictive, that's the next thing, because everything is connected. One of the coolest things maybe is that you can get predictive. So before you start an actual training program, right? Let's say you have an athlete, 250 watts FTP, uh, VO2 max of 60. And you come in and you say, well, I think we should work on your VO2max. Well, okay, you think, you guess. I don't know, experience, whatever, fair enough. The point with inside is you can basically go in and type in whatever, VO2max of 10% higher instead of 60, 66, and get a quantitative analysis of the effect. So if you change your VO2max by 10%, if you manage to do that by whatever training, for example, hit training, how much additional power output does it buy you for your FTP, your fat combustion or whatsoever, right? And this is maybe one of the most important points because look, here's my example. Let's say your goal is whatever, a Strava KOM or some some race that includes some uphill, uh, uphill you know, riding, okay? And I come to you and say, John, you know what? 
dropping your body weight would benefit for your, your performance. Oh, wow. That's not rocket science, right? It's, you're, right. Light, you're lighter, you climb faster, right? So I come yes. to you, know, John, you know what? Stop drinking beer and wine, no fast food, just salad, blah, 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 and it will improve your performance. So I'm, I'm offering you a way in your training program, right? But it might be not so easy for you, right? Maybe you enjoy your glass of wine, you enjoy whatsoever, you have business lunch or whatsoever, right? And I can just tell you, yeah, it will increase your performance, but I cannot tell you why. Uh, sorry, I cannot tell you how much, right? If I'm not able to, if I'm telling you, hey, you should drop one kilogram of body, of body weight or three pounds or whatever number, you will understand how hard it might be and how long it will take. But I cannot name you the benefit. But with insight, I can tell you, okay, if you drop your body weight by two kilograms, you gain two watts. Then you say, okay, sorry, Sebastian, that's that's not worth it, right? I'm not. That's not worth it. It's not. It's not worth for two watts. That's my. That's that's even less than my day by day tolerance. So there's no point doing it. But if I can tell you, you know what, John, you will gain 25 watts on your race. Then you go, okay, that's worth doing it. And and the cool thing is, you can run this analysis before you start going down this path. So before you 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 know you're hard on yourself, putting yourself on a diet or any training program, just the same same story, you can decide, is it worth it? You understand how much benefit you would get. That is an excellent answer. That that really explains the, the connections. So so thank you for taking the time to, to do that. Now, I, what I want you to do is you can kind of give us the, the third grade level explanation of the, <laughs> of the, of the seven things, uh, just because I think that, you know, some people, people understand, for the most part, functional threshold power. If people sort of understand VO2 max, but some of the other things that you're talking about here, I think they're very important. And I just, if we can get a, a basic understanding, I think it will help with the, with the rest of the, the episode here. So can you explain VO2 max? What is the layman's term for VO2 max? VO2 max is a proxy for your, and this is why it's popular for decades in the sports science world and performance world. VO2 max is a proxy for how much energy or power you can produce aerobically. That's simply because we know that the amount of oxygen uptake is proportional to the amount of energy production in the aerobic metabolism. Perfect. Okay. Next one is V Vlamax. Vlamax is is basically the same thing. So you have an aerobic metabolism. You also have an anaerobic, or in this case, more specifically, glycolytic metabolism. So breaking down glucose or glycogen and producing lactate. And very similar to VO2max, there's not the technology to put some kind of probe sensor into your muscle while you're riding your bike and measure this glycolytic energy turnover. But again, what is known for now almost 60 years is that the rate of lactate production is proportional to the rate of glycolytic energy production. And therefore, VLMX is, so to speak, the anaerobic brother or glycolytic brother of your VO2max. Okay. Perfect. All right. Now, anaerobic threshold. Explain that one for us. Um, well, so anaerobic threshold is, so to speak, the the term for what was originally the maximum lactate steady state. So originally there was maximum lactate steady state, the highest intensity at which you have a balance and equilibrium between lactate production and combustion. And then this was turned anaerobic threshold. And then with the, you know, increasing popularity of power meters, this anaerobic threshold, which would be measured by lactate, became the functional threshold power, what is now your FTP. Okay. And lactate, uh, the next one we're talking about is accumulation of lactate. Before we talk about the accumulation of lactate, can you explain briefly why lactate builds as you put out uh, an effort? What, what is lactate and what, what is it doing to the body? Um, you know this, what is his name for this? This is like um, magic cubes, like this um, um, Rubik, Rubik cube. Rubik's cube. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So imagine you have a Rubik's cube and this is one molecule of glucose or glycogen, yeah, of glucose that you're using. So the carbohydrates that you eat, that you know that you need. Um, perform a few turns on this Rubik's cube and cut it into half and there you have lactate. So lactate is always getting produced when you break down glucose. So every time you use carbohydrates, you produce lactate. Okay? That's very... Uh, so lactate is a fuel for your aerobic metabolism. That's, you know, getting... This knowledge is getting more and more popular. It's, you know, so that's understood for a long time, but it takes more time 
until it diffuses into the practical application of sports science. So lactate is nothing evil or bad, right? It is basically a super nice fuel for your, for example, for your muscles. So while we are sitting here, our heart muscle, for example, primarily runs on lactate as a fuel. Okay. So the accumulation of lactate is how the body is accumulating lactate it's just basically, so to speak, the delta, the difference between how much is, your, so to speak, your gross production and how much you can combust, right? So the accumulation is, so to speak, the excess lactate, which you cannot combust, right? Oh, uh, and that's the burn you feel in muscles, right? Uh, I would not necessarily say that it's a burn that you feel in muscles, but okay, so before you get a lot of comments how wrong all the simplifications are that's like <laughs> doing it. <Let's, laughs> okay. let me let me let me put it in a in in one maybe precise way um the 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 why why lactate accumulation and recovery which is maybe the even more or one of the yeah one of the most exciting and more important metrics that 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 we do give you is 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 the clearance rate of lactate and the point is that that the, that the accumulation of lactate is associated with a drop of pH, so acidosis, basically, right? And if you, or every time you want to get rid of lactate, so when you want to get rid of lactate, um, which you accumulated, let's say in a heart effort, in a practical assembly, you make a heart interval training, okay? What do, what will 99.9% .9 of your listeners do in between heart intervals without a coach, without any advice? Will they lay down in the grass for 10 minutes or will they keep pedaling easy, right? <laughs> keep pedaling easy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and everybody knows that intuitively, right? So what you're doing basically in this pedaling easy, you keep your, you keep your aerobic engine running, so to speak, in order to combust the lactate. You can ask any cyclist, even without a coach or a sports science degree, everybody, so to speak, gives you about, about this answer, okay? So, so, so long story short about the lactate and the acidosis, the transportation of lactate, when you want to get the lactate into the muscles to burn it, for example, you combust it, right? Um, the transportation of lactate goes along with, very simplified speaking, the drop, uh, the increase of the pH levels. So, so, you, so, so you basically transport sorry, hydrogen protons, so the thing that, ca that, that causes acidosis, you transport this together with the lactate. So the, so the faster you can clear lactate, the faster you will recover. And the rate, the, the, the rate and how fast you clear lactate at each power output is something that you will find in Insight. So Insight is telling you how quick can you recover, um, you know, at whatever effort. And that's something, and that's something we use, for example, I said in the high road times, uh, and and it's the professional teams they use it a lot, because obviously in racing, for example, I mean it's important, as I said, for getting you the correct recovery in the interval training program, but in a race it is it is a key performance indicator, right? Because a race is won in attacks and counterattacks and whatsoever, right? And one of the most important thing for a criterium racer, for a road cyclist, for a cross-country mountain biker is how quick can I recover in between those high, high intense efforts, right? Because you cannot just raise your arm and say, hey guys, go a little slower, I need to clear some lactate over here. That's obviously not working, right? So, <laughs> right. When, so when basically when you can recover faster and or at a higher power output, it's a huge advantage over your competition. Okay, awesome. So the next two that are on the... Um, of, of the measures you have are fat combustion and fat max, and then you have carbohydrate combustion. We've done a little bit of work with uh, with UNLV here, and we've I do understand that you can either be primarily a carbohydrate burner, or you can convert yourself to becoming more of a fat burner. Can you talk about the the two of those? Yeah. So I mean, basically, let's say you cycle at two hundred watts, then the energy has to come from somewhere. And there's a there's a neglectable portion that comes from protein combustion, so the majority comes from fat and carbohydrates. And fat combustion and fat max, which basically means the intensity where you burn the most fat, not percentage-wise. If you want to burn the highest percentage and just stay in bed in the morning, then percentage-wise it's it's the highest, but the total energy is not a lot. So fat max is basically the intensity at which you maximize, so to speak, the fat combustion in terms of kilocalories or grams per hour so not percent so, of the total 
So if I can move my fat max up, that would mean that maybe if I, I come to you today and say, hey, my fat max wattage is, is 100 watts, but if I can move that up to 180 watts, I can put out more effort and burn more fat at a higher output than I would before because once I pass that fat max, I then flip into burning carbohydrates. Is that true? You don't flip. So basically, the, the higher you pedal, the higher the power output, the more carbohydrates you will burn. So, so that starts parallel to each other anyway, right? So, so the, the, the fat max is maybe nice for a training zone. One, because it, it sounds cool, because, you know, everybody wants to burn fat, so to speak. Um, but also burning fat needs additional oxygen. So there is some good understanding why training at your fat max zone is more effective as a training stimulus, right? It uses the same mechanism basically as train low in carbohydrates and stuff like that, right? So you basically have a higher trigger on your aerobic system. And so that's performance-wise, like high performance-wise, FATMAX is not really important. But what is important then is the carbohydrate combustion rates. Because as most listeners will know, I, I assume, is that your carbohydrate source, as stored as glycogen, are very limited. And the amount of carbohydrate that you can take in is also limited. And the time you need to replenish this is minimum two days, right? So basically bonking, running out, you know, uh, burning too many matches, whatever you want to call that, is burning carbohydrates. And knowing how much you burn at what power output enables you, for example, to tweak and fine-tune your power outputs for the long, slow distance training, right? Uh, it allows you to understand your fueling strategy or how much carbohydrate you should, you know, take with you on a long ride or in a race, right? Um, so therefore, this is how most coaches use it, you know, to understand, um, you know, should I maybe go a little bit less in power or should I advise my athlete to go to take some more carbohydrates with him or her? Um, this is, these are the kind of things that you do okay. with it. If you increase your fat max, does that have any impact on your lactate accumulation rate uh, at which intensity so the lactate accumulation of at which intensity oh good question uh maybe let me turn this around like uh when you increase your fat max um it, it, like also from a logical approach this this is connected to two things or one of two things so when you want to burn more fat, right? You increase your fat yes. max. That means that you need to burn less carbohydrates, right? Correct. If if you have the same energy demand and you want to burn more fat, you have to decrease your reliance on on carbohydrates. So that's correct. That's that's one thing that can happen. In most cases, uh, in, in, or, uh, at a certain amount of increment. So if you if you at you you, you can change your fat max a little bit. Uh, and still have the same FDP. But if you change your fat max significant, you will in most cases also change your FDP or threshold power. Right? Uh, and this then would move the point and accumulation rates of lactate. Ah, that makes sense. Okay. Now, the last one you talk about is economy. Can you talk about economy and how that matters? Um, it can matter a lot, but it doesn't really matter in cycling. Um <laughs> Because in cycling, think about it. In cycling, we measure our power output at the pedal or at the crank in most cases, and you are you are fixed on, you know, you're fixed on the pedal. So you cannot change the amplitude, right? And you can only ch change the, the, the 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 pedal frequency, the cadence. Oh. And you can yeah. change how hard you push, which basically both then composes your power output. Economy, for example, if you think about a swimmer. Is highly important because swimmer has, swimming in water has water has approximately 800 times the density of air, and if you just move your arm once into the wrong direction, then you know it, it costs you <laughs> yeah. energy, but it doesn't it doesn't propel you forward into the direction you want to swim. In cycling, that's not the case because you basically cannot move in any direction your your foot, right? Like you hold your upper body is more or less stable, hopefully, and your legs are fixed to the pedals, so there's not much vigor room for any economy thing. So economy and cycling, sorry to all the bike fitters out there, in economy, well, actually actually in cycling, you should not name an econ economy. In cycling, it's actually efficiency. Uh, efficiency, yeah. Yeah, 
Um, so gross efficiency, basically metabolic demand, how much energy your, your muscle needs to produce very much versus how much power you get from that. There is very small to almost no vigor room. And then when it comes to running or yeah, skiing or canoeing or whatever, that things change, right? Because it's basically a free free motion, free movement sport, right? You can move your your, your limbs in all three directions, in, in, all, in all three dimensions, and then you can raise energy. Yeah, I've skied my whole life, and I used to race uh, canoes and kayaks. And and yes, there's a lot of movement patterns in both all of those sports that if if you don't, if you're not optimizing them, your economy drops quite quickly. So yes, I I understand and, what that and, means. And 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 maybe last comment for everybody who's now raising your arm and say, yeah, but in cycling you can also move your upper body. Yeah, true. Okay, you can move your upper body, but this maybe to 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 round up and com complete the picture on what we are doing with inside. With inside, we are only looking at the working muscle. Right. So so we don't care if you dance a little bit around with your upper body and maybe need a little bit more carbohydrates for that in your, I don't know, in your pectoralis muscle. Because the point is, um, for example, when you, we talked about carbohydrates and bonking, right, it's not possible to transport glycogen, for example, from a muscle in your upper body to your legs. Uh, while you're working. So therefore, yeah, you maybe have a little bit high oxygen uptake when, for example, you have a lot of movement in your upper body or when you have a time trial position that requires you to, you know, hold the handlebar a little bit. It maybe causes a higher oxygen uptake, but not, but it's not performance limiting because it's not your working muscle, right? And therefore, that's, so to speak, the, yeah. Makes sense. Let's talk about uh, inside and, and coaches or the coach that you would use. So it looks like you have a network of coaches. Uh, can you explain what it means to be an inside coach and what does it take to be one? Um, yeah, so in terms of cycling and more like, so yeah, so we, we have coaches from like federations, Olympic training centers, or we have more like the, you know, commercial coaching businesses or testing businesses, right? So, um, so, 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 as as a coach, basically how it works, every organization, every coaching business or federation or a cycling team, they have like their own account. So they 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 have their their own branded with a logo and all this kind of stuff, uh, inside account, and then they can work uh, with with their athletes in this account. So it's not that we are processing, um, you know, the 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 data for them or something we do have uh, 24 7 customer support which is not a bot but a real expert in his field and 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 we do have uh, you know partnership support and stuff like that so we do help people uh, using the software and maximizing the benefit and when you want to start using this there's a little bit of a runway um, so there is there is a little bit of you know we 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 provide you with with like an e-learning with 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 a course to get onboarded to get started to learn the ins and out of not only how you operate the software but also you know the physiological backgrounds. I said that we you know provide you with the you know um, reliability and validity of the of the output that the software calculates error sensitivity like you know what is the tolerance to error of measurement in your power meter or your vo2 analyzer so you learn all the ins and outs about the software and then we do have for our users a series of like webinar and some educational stuff and i don't know when this episode is going to get live but we are going to we're basically going to to launch a whole like educational platform uh, approximately March 21, so in a in very very short time, um, and that's pretty cool. That's something I'm really excited about. If I may, if I may add this really quick, because yeah, go for it. Because we have so many coaches and experts from all different sports, and many of those are contributing. So you, as a cycling coach, you can learn from what a swimming coach does, and you can and and you can learn from, for example, we have webinars from. Um, you know, professional cycling coaches out of World Tour teams sharing real data and sharing real training programs, right? Um, and so we really try to get a good mixture um, of different sports and there's some highly, you know, scientific stuff in there, physiology, molecular biology, and there's something in there like really from like practical application, like, you know, um, 
how do you like what are the benefits what what are potential benefits from training on Zwift to oh what molecule triggers mitochondria uh, biogenesis so that's kind of the range that you can expect <laughs> yeah okay do you think that the training courses and the e-learning and stuff that you're doing if somebody were to be a, like an FTP coach and that's how they've trained all of their athletes if they came in and they took the e-learning and they went through all of the the information that you have do you think it gives them enough of an understanding of how now to use these seven metrics to help train their athletes or do they need additional no that's that's definitely the aim so you would not even could you would not even to to consume um all the content in there but just maybe the core content so to speak right um because we have they are from many different sports many different use cases which can show you very clearly why for example you should not base in you know the intensity for an interval training but why you should not base this on an FTP value so there's there's a or or how, how do you use the rate of lactate accumulation or recovery for pacing strategies and time trials like so all this stuff yeah that's that's very straightforward that's in there yeah okay awesome so let's talk a little bit about the inside functions Traditionally, lactate tests require blood samples. Are you able to measure lactate levels like LT1 and LT2 with inside without drawing blood? Uh, so LT2 in terms of anaerobic threshold, yes. Right, so that's what we talked about. So that's what's commonly understood as LT2. Uh, so yeah, you get an anaerobic threshold. You get to see why your threshold is at a certain intensity, right? Because you're going to see how lactate production and combustion catch up. Um, and very bluntly, sorry, LT1 is is not existing. There is no threshold LT1. Okay. Um, that is a historical thing, maybe one minute or two minutes to explain it. So in, in the late 70s, um, the maximum lactate steady state ARCA anaerobic threshold or LT2 was discovered. And then people started to make, this is how, how far it dates back, started to make training programs based on that intensity. And especially in, in cycling, they found out with the many hours that you ride that it's not really feasible. Like it's too hard for most people. And then, and then there was something like an LT2 coming in, uh, which you use for basing on training points. The problem with the LT2 is in compared to LT1 or anaerobic threshold, at anaerobic threshold, really something is happening. Like something flips. You go from being able to ride in a steady state to being not able to exercise in a steady state. LT1 is defined as the first increase in lactate concentration in a testing protocol, like in a, in a incremental test. And the issue with that is it depends on what your protocol is. You have three-minute increments or you have five-minute increments. It changes your LT1. And this is this why it's, yeah, it... But okay. you, that yeah. makes sense. You, yeah. you, you should not call it threshold because there's nothing like a threshold, nothing changing in your metabolism with like the real threshold. And when you mention it and then not call it threshold and call it the first increase of lactate, you would need to mention what is a protocol. Okay. I love that. That's awesome. So you guys also use critical power versus FTP. Can you explain why you use critical power? Um, what do you mean? Well, you use critical power as a measurement. So you're 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 looking at and you're monitoring critical power from what I understand. Um, what? A, a little bit is as part of this remote testing. We look at if we look a little bit at like the power duration curve. We use the power duration function. Um yeah, so we use yeah, so we use a critical power power duration curve to get a proxy for the anaerobic threshold and adds this into the mix. So if you don't have lactate measurement um, if you don't have a lab test, then we use your critical power slash power duration curve to get a proxy for the for the FTP. Ah, uh, okay. Yep, for sure. One of the things you talked about earlier too was your ability to use projections, which is really cool. Do you take into consideration the genetic makeup of, of an individual when you're looking at sort of strengths and weaknesses or areas where you can make improvement? is the genetic component ever considered well if you mean if you take like uh, uh, blood samples or swapping swaps for to 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 measure dna no <laughs> um that's 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 for sure not the case but i i think we should look at the other way around the vo2 max that you see 
or what you see in your athlete like like more like a fast twitch sprint anaerobic guy versus more like a you know so this besides the training depends on what is your genetic genetic makeup so the makeup is kind of so to speak baked in there but it's blended what which was what this whatever your training has been before you tested mm -hmm. okay that makes sense um as far as using insight let's say you find a coach and you're using how often do you recommend sort of updating all of the the seven key metrics how often are you looking at that so how often to test how often to assess your performance yes yeah my marketing guys would say every two weeks because <laughs> because the fees are based on number of assessments currently uh, <laughs> but the true answer is a good ballpark is approximately four times a year um as like a very rough rule here or a rough guideline um but you want to do it in a smarter way so we talked about it so basically you do your first assessment you identify with your coach your coach identifies okay which knobs which area what are the strengths and weakness where we you know should work on and hopefully or maybe you have your specific goal right you have a specific goal at a specific time so then you can start to understand okay do i have enough time to work let's say let's say you want to work on your vla max you want to work on your vo2 max whatsoever right the question is how far out from your goal are is there enough time right if you test one week before your goal not so much right and then and then based on what your goal is this will tell you when it makes sense to retest again right um, so, for example, if you if you if you want to if you're targeting improvements of VO2 max, um, you you are able to see the first improvements after approximately six weeks. So after six weeks, you will be able to see a tendency, and we'll be able to, to to see are you on the right track? Do you work in the right direction? Right, and then. Or you say, oh, I'm pretty sure I work in the right direction because it worked last year, or I'm, for whatever I'm sure. Um, and you just want to see the, you know, so to speak, very simplified saying, when the main adaptation is finished, right? So when you can have expected to have the majority of the adaptation um, to, to to have happened, then you maybe need to you you need to wait like 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 three months, right? So somewhere in between, right, is maybe the truth to say, yeah, maybe for one reason you want to test again, you want to retest after six weeks. In other cases, you maybe want to retest after three months or four months sometimes, or, you know, maybe there's a winter break and an off season and then you don't test for five months. And then maybe we have, for example, a lot of people who test just before a competition, not for the, you know, not to have the data for training, but to really have their fueling and pacing strategy. So that would be another reason, right? You say, well, I have a time trial or I have an Ironman race or a marathon or, you know, whatever, a, a century ride or whatever is important for me. Um, and I need this data to accurately, you know, tune my, my fueling and pacing uh, to this. Because when you think about it, you, you invest a lot going towards this goal, right? You train for weeks, you train for months, you maybe travel to the race, you pay your starting fee whatsoever. And then when it comes to race day, you don't want to leave things up to chance. And therefore just doing one additional test and having like really your your your, your manual how to, you know, how to tackle the day in terms of intensity and in terms of nutrition really helps a lot. That's really cool. So when you Let's say, for example, I do a test and I see that my VLI max is a certain number and I, I want to work on that. A couple of questions, I guess, come to mind. Is there a way for you to predict what my ceiling is? I mean, all, all humans, I guess, if you think of like a, a performance per second, have a, a ceiling at some point. And if I pick VLMAX on during this test, but then next time I want to, you know, may I say I want to focus on my VO2 max, are my gains in one area sort of sustained or do those drop as I move different lo uh, knobs and levers? Yeah, so that's two questions, right? So the first question about the ceiling, that's a that's a tricky one, right? Um, so some experienced coaches get an idea about the ceiling by looking at how much you train and how much you gain from that. Basically saying you're going a little bit back to your genetic makeup. When you're really talented, you will see a lot of improvements. You will see relatively good numbers in whatever you're looking for. Um, 
this a relatively small amount of training, right? Um, so when you have when you're gifted to have a high VO two max, then it, then you will naturally have a high VO two max, even though you don't train a lot. So and you know, experienced coaches can kind kind of see this relationship a little bit and read a little bit in between the lines, so to speak. Um, one of the best ways, and here's another reason why somebody maybe wants to test, is um, you 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 really benefit from having an assessment and having a benchmark when you are at your highest level. So when you say whatever my main goal is to be on my top level in July or August or whatsoever, if you have a performance assessment in 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 this in this area, then you know you have a benchmark and you can understand. Okay, this is where I've been last year. So you understand whatever. Let's say your view to max is seventy at this point, then you understand. Okay, I've been at seventy, so for sure I can go back there or long term rotation even a little bit higher. So it doesn't tell you the upper ceiling exactly, but it gives you an idea on you know what is the minimum expectation you should have in terms of up, in terms of upper ceiling, right? And then the other question: Do you do you do you do you do you lose a, something that you've gained before, right? You say I focus now for three months, I focus on VLA max, and then I focus on body fat, and then I focus on VO2 max, or whatever. That's not necessarily right, not necessarily because it's two different biological systems. They, they 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 are a little bit separated even in the muscle cell. Um, VO two max is highly determined by mitochondria, and mitochondria has their own, partly has their own genes, so it's not strictly coupled, right? But of course, of course, it depends on how you train. So, giving one example, let's say you tackle three months VO two max, doing long rides and high intense interval training, some kind of polarized training, and it works for you. Increase your VO two max, right? And then you work on VO2 max and VLA max, and the only thing you do, you go into the gym and do some sprints. Well, then you will lose your VO2 max, right? So, so the art of yeah, call it the art of training, but 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 the real, you know, uh, where where it really gets tricky, so to speak, is being able to combine that, co combine the best, you know, um, on on a very high level, and. Maybe you're talking about cycling and the past season um, and bringing connecting the dots here a little bit. Uh, in the past season, somebody who was really performing in all different areas really well was, for example, was Wout van Aert from 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 Jumbo, right? Um, and being able to being able to you know to track to measure the developments of, for example, VLA max, VO two max buffering, whatever metrics, lactate accumulation there are, uh, being able to, to, to track this parallel to your training program, basically being able to put your training program next to your uh, logbook of performance assessment, understand, okay, what did I do in training and what was the reaction, so to speak, and monitoring this. This is really where you start to learn with this athlete, what can I do to maximize all systems which I want to maximize, right? And making some advertisements for our education center, uh, the coach of Wout van Aert and Primus Roglic is doing webinars in this education center with those examples. So, uh, you know, sharing some experience for these kind of stuff. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. I think that's really cool. If somebody wants to become a coach, so that I want to... You know, if they want to jump in inside and become a part of what you're doing in the ecosystem, do they just go to out to your website and 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 sign up? How do they get started if they wanted to do that? Um, so currently, um, you would have to whatever. Yeah, you you can book a demo, so you cannot sign up on the website. Basically, sorry for that. Again, my marketing guys will kick me for that, but it's <laughs> it's that's that is the case. Um, you would need to send an email uh, and and uh, or book a demo. Um, so it's a little bit cumbersome. It's it's not like you can just go in and sign, swipe your credit card or something. Um, and this is mostly because you know of all the different use cases and applications, right? And it's it is mostly because there are, for many people there are a lot of open questions, right? How does it work? How accurate is it? How do I apply the data? Uh, what is the protocol? Everybody has some different questions. And the normal way for us is. Well, we are people, and we are like you. You know, we like to talk from one person to another. So you will not find a bot. You will not find automated emails or something. You will 
send an email or book a demo with you know an inside uh, partner in your region so to speak and somebody will talk to you and answer your question so it's a little bit longer <laughs> it's a little bit old school maybe um, but this is basically how it's currently set up no I like that though I mean it, it, it keeps your sort of your core message and your core um, purpose very very true very accurate I like that I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all um, you mentioned earlier that if somebody wants to do this, they work with a coach, but the, the pricing model you're saying is based on the, uh, basically each time somebody accesses the system to, to, to do a test is, is, is that how the pricing works? How does, what's the pricing structure look like? Um, so yeah, that's what we currently have. So that favors, so to speak, um, a little bit, the human performance labs, which, you know, what I already said is like maybe the, 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 the main user group are labs and, and performance centers, but then for teams, federations, so on and so forth. And also now for coaches, so for commercial coaches, uh, commercial coaching businesses who coach recreational amateur athletes, we do have a model which based, which is based on number of athletes that you coach. So something you might be more familiar with from using something like Training Peaks or something, right? Where you basically say, ah, this is, you know, I have 10 athletes and each athlete costs, you know, X amount per month or something like that. Uh, that's something that, that, that we do have now. Um, from a coaching perspective, that's maybe more interesting. It's well, financial-wise, it ends up at the same thing. Like basically, basically from a coaching perspective, uh, most coaches um, bundle up regular testing with their um, with their with their training programs. So prescribing training programs. Many 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 of the inside coaches um, are asking for initial uh, inside assessment before they start coaching you. Because you have to start from somewhere, right? I think it's not very legit to just start coaching somebody just looking at an FTP or some power files. So you do an inside test, you get the whole 360 degree view on the metabolism, you understand where are the strengths and weaknesses, and then you can, from day one, that's maybe the point, from day one, from day one you can prescribe a very individualized training program, even though you don't have experience, right? So what I'm saying is you can either, you can either waste one or two years by gaining experience, or you can kickstart the process, you know, doing a comprehensive performance assessment and understand from day one, you know, who is the guy who have in front of you, especially talking about remote coaching, right? Um, and then as we just talked about, you would kind of do regular testing um, to identify how did the training program that I prescribe actually work out, right? How, what, what kind of improvements do I see? Do I see the kind of improvements I want to see, right? Uh, are we going into the right direction for whatever, um, increasing VO2 max or whatsoever, or fat max or so on. Um, so that's how most people use it, bundle it up, regular testing with like the coaching. That's the most successful use case. I like that. Now let's see if we can make your marketing guys happy. I know you talked a little <laughs> bit earlier about uh, what you guys some e-learning stuff. What else? What's the next steps for Inside? You got your your uh, put your marketing hat on for a second. Uh, well, no, don't put my marketing hat on. I I will I will tell you a little bit about what we have in the pipeline, which I think is more exciting. So we are we are short before uh, launching a new technology for runners. Um, so so basically serving the running and triathlon market. Um, and then we do have a lot of um, a lot of new stuff coming for like all these other sports like 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 skiing and swimming and so on um and that's for maybe what's maybe more interesting for the listeners here is that um there might be something like an inside app for the athletes for like uh, you know so it's like in a b2c uh, relationship um, and you can expect something that is maybe not so much on a high level like this what we have now for the coaches, but um, you will be able to see some features and some functionalities which directly better connect, for example, to your fueling and pacing or to your training scenario, right? Um, so uh, that is basically the next steps here, um, what you can expect. Again, we first have to fulfill some needs for some federations and teams in terms of new technology for things like canoeing and skiing. Um, and, then, and then you will be able to see some stuff, uh, I think as well for more like the amateur recreational athlete and so to speak, making it easier 
to apply um you know to apply what you get to your actual training or maybe more precisely as a uh, um for example identifying easier for example what is your what is your perfect vlmx right so that's that's a, that's a very common question you know how because basically when you lower your vlmx you you increase your ftp uh, but you are prone to lose sprint power so the question is what is the optimum balance and that's the question we're going to answer for you in a very easy way uh, in a couple of months love that that is uh, very cool and now the final question we ask everybody is we look at an athlete consider them sort of an average athlete from a training perspective they have a 300 watt ftp and let's say that they start using inside they've never looked at any of these seven metrics and turn knobs or levers what sort of improvement do you believe you could put on top of that 300 watt ftp after they used insight for let's say let's say a year that's that is baked in the question what is the upper ceiling <laughs> you are absolutely right um, um if i can change the question a little bit let's say sure let's say you have somebody who's training 10 hours per week and he has this he has this fdp if you want to use this uh he has this fdp for maybe two years in terms of like stagnating a little bit um i'm pretty sure you're able to see um a 10 percent improvement within six to eight months okay that's a perfect answer so about 30 watts in uh, six to eight months listen thank you so much for being on the show this was uh a, a really cool episode i i you gave great examples great explanations so i think this is uh one i, I really liked so thank you for being on the show thanks for having me i enjoyed it a lot thank you thanks for listening to faster if you enjoyed this episode please share it leave a review or teach a friend what you learned today for more great episodes on getting faster subscribe to this podcast while you're on your next ride be kind to one another and ride safe Thank you.